So it's fantastic to be joined by uh, the legend who is Graham Kendrick. Graham, thank you so much for joining us today. You're very welcome. You really are. <laughs> um, so, Graham, thank you for being a part of this book on worship. And uh, today we're looking at the topic of personal worship, worshiping on our own uh, in the private place, mm. in the secret place. Uh, but you have been someone, I mean, you need no introduction. Uh, people will know you from your many, many years of public worship leading. Um, so you've been someone who's been very much on, on the public stage of worship. And yet here's a chapter on the private stage of worship. Yeah, yeah. Just by way of introduction, like, why is that such an important stage? You know, the private stage. Why is that so important for you? Well, I think it's what gives authenticity to the to the public, mm. um, and I think that's that's a, that's an obvious thing, really. That um, if you're going to stand up and lead others in worship, your first qualification is to be a worshipper. Uh, but of course, we don't come ready-made as as worshippers. We we come having you know with so many uh, other loves and affections in our, our lives, and our whole life really is this journey of of purification of sanctification is a sort of theological word for it you know where so we're on this journey of seeking to offer our whole lives up up to Christ and and then the public really is is uh, it's it's incredibly important but it's the kind of overflow of the of the private uh, and i think this is where um the big challenge is really um and i always said that you know I do regard this as the biggest challenge. You know, you can learn a, a role, you know, you can learn a, a public role. And we all do that. You know, life, we have all sorts of roles in our, in our lives, and that's absolutely fine. Um, but it's the authenticity that's important. So you can learn a role of standing in front of people with a guitar or a keyboard or something and doing what it takes to get people singing and worshipping. Uh, but the... If that isn't in the life, then then what does it mean? You know, it become it becomes a sham. You know, mm. um, I it took me. I mean, I always knew this, but I think the thing that and the emphasis I try and bring out in the book is um, it doesn't actually come naturally. You know, we um, I mean, worship is an overflow of our relationship with with, with God, um, but we have to learn disciplines it's not a very popular word in many ways in in our culture um but we we need habits call them habits we need to form habits and i can remember in my early journey as a as a worshiper and as a worship leader uh, and involved in in ministry and mission and you know i was in a on a traveling team for several years and we worked incredibly hard. We we're probably quite proud of our our you know workaholism. Mm -hmm. um, but eventually, I discovered that if I had a day off, it was a write-off, you know, because I had nowhere to go. I, my life was all consumed with my work and and the work of ministry, which is a privilege to do. Um, but when it came to just me and God. And no one else around. I just didn't, you know, mm. I got quite depressed, really. I don't mean clinically depressed, but I got quite despondent and down and 
just lost my way. And I realized I had to build some habits in, into my life. And that's some of what I mentioned in the, in the chapter. Fantastic. And, and in the chapter, you do a brilliant analogy and story of, uh, was it your dad's car? Was, uh, <laughs> yeah. You had to crank it up? Just, just yeah. talk us through that. For those who might not have read that, just tell us. <laughs> that's a, a really great analogy. Yes, indeed. Well, um, one of my memories as, as a very small child is um, jumping into the family car. Um, uh, this was obviously some years ago. Uh, my dad was a, 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 a pastor of a church, didn't have much money. So all he could afford car-wise was a really ancient, it was an Austin 7 actually. Right. Um, and uh, to and of course, this is quite normal to us because we didn't know anything else. But if we, we all jump in the car and instead of pressing a button, he would get out of the driver's seat and he would get hold of a, the crank handle, <laughs> stick it in the front of the engine and physically, manually crank the engine until it started, you know. Mm. Um, and uh, it was always a, a, a moment. Uh, and then they'd jump back in quickly because sometimes it would just stop again, you know. And there he was, the pastor, um, cranking up the engine so we could all go somewhere. So the, the analogy, I hope, is, is obvious that um, uh, we need to become self-starters, you know. We need to learn the discipline so we're not always depending on somebody else to crank, crank our worship engine. Mm. Um, and I, actually, I think um, it's not exclusive to contemporary worship, but... Uh, in in the years that I've seen um, and been part of the sort of worship journey in the culture, in the church culture, where music has become so dominant, mm. um, I think we've become really good at putting on, the creating the worship environment um, and giving people a worship experience, if you like. Yeah. Um, and... Because we live in a culture of screens and entertainment and people doing stuff for us, and then you know we, we the spectator watch the screen and wait for it to do something to us, mm. or you know you walk out of a film and you think it was a waste of hour and a half, you know because it didn't do it to, for me, and we do the same with church. We're, we're in danger of doing that. We come along, we expect someone to crank up the worship experience, um, which we uh, are drawn into. Now, obviously, there's some very special things about uh, communal worship, uh, and this, uh, which we need, and it's very important. But if we never learn how to um, stir ourselves up and yeah. uh, learn to worship God in the secret place, in the private place, in the home, um, then we're always going to be dependent. I think of it as, as if event dependency, wow. you know, wow. and... Uh, even the, I think the season that, that we're in, in at the moment is is a time when we don't have so much of that and we're having to fall back. And I think maybe some of us discover we haven't got enough of those habits that help us sustain our spiritual life, whatever anyone else is doing. So that's really interesting what you're just saying there, Graham, about the kind of danger, I guess, of consumer risk mentality in church of like, right, I'll sit, yeah. Uh, yeah. wait for the worship to move me or not. And obviously we're recording this in the tail end of 2020 where a lot of churches had to be via a screen. 
Do you think there's more of a danger of that mentality having been developed in us? Or do you think once, you know, everyone's back in the room and, you know, there'll be such a hunger to, to, and, and that will overcome that? What do you think? Well, um, I, I think I think for some people, I mean, I've, I remember speaking to someone uh, just a few weeks ago who was saying, I'm just loving this time. I'm having such fantastic times with, with Jesus, you know, um, and it's almost like I don't want it to stop, you know, uh, you know, and I think some of us will dig into if we have that already. My fear is if for, for those of us who maybe don't have that regular place we go to, which mm. is just us and God, you know. So I think some, some may come back saying, oh, I've been in a desert. I've been absolutely starving. So, and others will say, I've been feasting in this. It's been a wilderness in some ways, but I mean feasting. Mm. So I, I think it, it, it will depend. I think we, there's always a danger that we rush back I mean, I think probably there's going to be a big rush back <laughs> as soon as we can to what was familiar. Um, but I do hope that some of us will be have been pressed into seeking more mm. of um, ways to find God in, 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 in the private times. And I think one of the things is, and one reason I, I hope this, this book is going to be really helpful to people, is, is opening up... Uh, tools and uh, and ways forward yeah i mean one for example which i put an em emphasis on and it's an obvious one and it's nothing new and it is the psalms mm. um and i i i mean for myself some years ago i although i'd already always loved the psalms and used the psalms i kind of woke up to what the psalms were really for and that was to help me to pray mm. you know Mm. especially when I'm on my own. And of course, so many of the Psalms are personal Psalms um, and they absolutely fit uh, that moment where we, we know we need to pray, but we don't know where to start. Yeah. Um, but the Psalms meet us wherever we are in the, in the absolute complete range of human experiences from, from joy to depression mm. Um to anger to you know it's all it's all there um but if once once we start using the psalms we start to pray yeah i think that's been my discovery uh, but i still have to make the choice to do it you know mm. but i i know i don't really have an excuse for let's say i don't feel like praying i don't know where to start because i know if i open up the psalms it won't take long before i found a psalm that fits or even just any psalm really mm -hmm. and if i start reading the psalm i like to read them out loud yeah um because that engages me more so i don't get into this this sort of vague head headspace mm. um and then having prayed a, a few verses of the psalm i i then let what i've read stir up my own prayers yeah and then there's this kind of interaction with the psalm. Read the psalm, prayer and prayers. Read the psalm, prayer and prayers. And that is simple, but um, I think that's what the psalms are for, largely. That's fantastic. So there's, there's something about habit forming, isn't there, in this, that 
that you know there are there are going to be those mornings where you just don't want to i'm sure even you have those mornings you're like i just i just want to make coffee you know i want to read the paper or something and there's those moments isn't there where but i i've chosen to do this i need to do this even if i don't feel like doing this even if i skim over the odd line if if you're honest graham i'm sure you know there is that discipline isn't that um one has to mature into would you say is it is it a journey or or is it something people can just switch switch into it you know how much is it to do with personality i don't know if you've got any tips or thoughts on how you develop it well you mentioned personality i'm sure personality does have something to 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 do with it hmm. um and different people will have different approaches you know yeah. to, to prayer and again the psalms are, are there they'll they embrace all personalities i hmm. i I believe. But I think the fact is that uh, human beings are creatures of habit. Mm. We will always have habits. It depends which habits we opt for. Yeah. You know? And I think we have a choice of habits, really. Um, and we have to make that, make that choice. Um, and not in, a, not in a sort of a, a, a way that becomes crushingly legalistic or whatever you know we need to breathe and do things differently or you know embrace a different set of habits for a season or move into a a different one um uh, but yeah it it is a choice um and you have to press in because the reality is there is so much in us that doesn't like it yeah you know it's it's this whole battle between the 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 flesh and the spirit you know the sinful nature and the holy spirit that paul um uh, brings out so uh, so so well you know I, I know what i should do but i don't want to do it you know and as long as we're in these bodies we're going to struggle with that so we might as well face that fact that we you know we are in this battle yeah but the thing that the gospel has given us in christ the cross and the resurrection and all that marvelous story is the choice we are now free to choose um and i sometimes find that frightening because i sometimes despite all that make the wrong choice Mm. lord have mercy you know but we pick ourselves up again we dust ourselves down we ask for forgiveness and, and we move on and hopefully the more of the right choices we make we the habit forms you know, it's, yeah. it is about repetition. You form habits by repetition. So just re- repeat these things as often as you join or can and, and habits will form. And you, yeah. And they're a bit like, I see it a bit like, um, like tramway lines or something, you know, that direct, you know, the tramway to go on the city streets, whereas a car can go anywhere. You know, yes. these lines have been put in place. And, and certainly for me, I find that the Psalms in particular, as you said, they, they, they kind of orientate you towards God, no matter where you've come from yes. <laughs> in that yes. Psalm. That they orientate you towards God, whether it is a lament kind of, why is this prayer unanswered still? Or whether yeah. it is a, a, a thanksgiving moment of, oh, I've just heard this great news they tell you and guide you who to thank or who to bring the lament to yeah. rather than it just being a, a void or, or yourself, you know, yeah. um, it's something like that, isn't it? That goes on. I think when we choose to, to go to a Psalm, 
yes. on, on our own. Yes, it is. It is. Do, do you do you think um, things are harder? I mean, you've lived through different seasons of the church at worship, and do you think? Obviously, we're all. You write in the chapter how we're all wired to worship, like we, we all worship something. Hmm. Do you think it's harder in, in this culture and generation, or do you think it's always, always <laughs> harder? Different things. What do you think? Oh, uh, well, certainly always the, the same distractions have always been there in essence, but I think they've become more pervasive. Mm. Um, and, you know, the smartphone obviously uh, has, has to be one of the main culprits. Yeah. The fact that, I mean, if you, if you wind the clock back, you know, to the early days of television, there was one channel. Mm. You know, and it wasn't even on all day. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't remember there being one. I remember there being five. Okay, <laughs> all right. Well, there we go. <laughs> but still, that that that's a long time ago. Yeah, but but now we have, you know, we we've got endless endless options. Yeah, and a little screen that we can take with us, and, and we're rarely without it. Mm. You know, it's it's usually in our pocket, or it's usually within within reach. Um, and that means that, you know, we are inviting whatever that screen might bring towards us um, into our innermost lives and into our most private spaces. Mm. Um, uh, you know, and this whole thing of uh, scrolling, you know, you can yeah. scroll endlessly. It can just become a... <laughs> a obsessive i'm sure it does sort of some people it is a real problem of obsession mm. you just keep on scrolling and scrolling scrolling mm. um so that's that's that can be very very damaging um and so we have to be disciplined with the phone you know yeah. and the other distractions and we have to put them out of reach or in another room or switch them off mm. entirely um and allow ourselves just to be quiet with, with, yeah. with God. So, you know, it's, it's like we're addicted to, um, you know, per perpetual stimulation, mm. you know, mm. in our minds. And I know in psychologists, you read about the newspapers, how it's changing people's brains and growing up, you know, <clears throat> generations who've grown up with <clears throat> social media. It changes the way you, you, you think in all sorts of ways. And they're not all, positive ways by any means yeah. but I, so i think really as as believers if we we have to develop that secret space with god mm. um and when i mean jesus uh, taught uh, when he taught disciples on one occasion um he he talked about going into the 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 closet you know going to the wardrobe um <clears throat> and uh, apparently in those days in the little family communal houses, um, the only private space you could find was probably a little storeroom, you know? So it is about, you know, he said, go there, you know, when you pray, when you fast, when you give, you know, do it in secret and your heavenly father who sees in secret will reward you openly. He mm. put, you know, he put a strong emphasis. I mean, we don't necessarily think of that as, a teaching on worship, but I think it is. Yeah. 
And there's such an emphasis about him going to that secret place. And we know Jesus did. We know that he would seek go off into the wilderness or up a mountain. He'd, you know, he had to be alone with the Father. Mm. Um, and I think that's that's so important. And that we think I think we become scared to go there because we're we're scared of having no stimulation from this mm. smartphone. You know, we fear of being alone, fear of our own thoughts. Uh, mm. um, um, then pressing it's always pushing them away and that's very damaging yeah I, I love how you just said you know we don't often think of that teaching as a teaching on worship and again I, I think part of what we're trying to do with this book wasn't it was say that hey worship is the whole of life like worship yes. I, I think I write in the introduction you know worship has become a narrow word meaning church music yes. when actually it's a broad highway meaning you know the whole of one's relationship with God and, and, yeah. and life's journey. And, and so I love what you just said then, because that, that's exactly what we're talking about, isn't it? That we, we've segmented often as, as practitioners or maybe church pastors listening to this or just people, everyday Christians, you know, we think, well, worship is for the musicians or, you know, I'm going to study worship Well, I'll look up, you know, the temple, you know, or the, I'll read the Psalms, which we've talked about. And obviously these things are important for understanding worship, but then some of these more subtle behind the scenes, so to speak, statements on prayer and on being kind to one another. Yes. Uh, you know, yeah. that the, the, what sums up everything is to love one another. You know, how we treat each other is worship, isn't it? And, and I guess that, that's what we're talking about here, that the private stage of worship, it doesn't even just mean disciplines, does it? It means in every way what we do, would you say? Yeah, yeah, it, yes, it absolutely does. Um, some years ago, having, I mean, I've, I've had to teach, I'm, I'm not a scholar or anything, but, you know, when you're a practitioner, you teach what you do. And I've done mm. that through through the years. Um, and with a, when you have a teaching about worship, you end up saying, defining it, you know, and you have this definition and that definition. And there's endless definitions of what worship is. But the one that I settled on some years ago, was um, Ephesians 5.2, uh, be imitators of God, therefore, yeah. as dearly loved children, and live a life of love as Christ did and gave himself up as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And so you've got, you know, the fragrant sacrifice, and that's worship language, but it's a life of love that is um, being, you know, that, 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 you know, and our response to being loved dearly by God, we live a life of love, and that's that's a life of worship like like Christ was. Um, uh, so, absolutely, and that is the big challenge because it goes to the very roots of who we are, you know, what we are, yeah. and what we are in that secret absolutely. private place, uh, as well as the public. Well, um, Graham, thank you so much for this uh, quick chat about uh, your chapter on how we worship on our own. And, and I think it's really come across that for you personally, uh, how important it's been to, to, to keep the private stage hot, so to speak. Yes. Uh, and and, and I, I've received that challenge afresh this morning, and I'm sure people listening uh, will receive that as well. Would you just pray uh, for anyone listening or watching this? Just uh, as, as we try and develop, we're all on that journey, aren't we, of trying to yes. develop and deepen those choices. So would you just pray as we end? Yeah, absolutely. 
Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that uh, in the first place you have invited us right into your presence, right into the holy place. So this is such a uh, such a this is the greatest honor that any of us could receive. And so, Father, help us to afresh recognize that how you have honored us by saying, "Come, you know, come to me, or you who." Labor and a heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Uh, Lord Jesus, uh, stir us, stir our longings to be close to you. I pray, Lord, that you will help us to recognize where habits uh, are unhelpful, where habits actually rob and steal from that relationship and that intimacy which we're invited into help us Lord, to value time with you so much that we uh, we really want to get rid of that stuff that draws us into other loves and other affections so we thank you lord that you've given us everything that we need uh, for life and for godliness it's all in you lord jesus help us to press in uh, to know you more. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, thank you so much, Graham, for joining us. Uh, and thank you for all that wisdom on worshiping on our own. Thank You're you. You're very welcome, Nick. Great to chat.